You are listening to the Brand Architect Podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, hey everyone, and welcome to the Brand Architect Podcast, the podcast that helps you establish your brands and grow your online audiences. It's me, Ani Alexander, and today we have an another interview coming up. But before that, I want to thank my friend Jean-Marie and her dog Taz because they kindly let me record part of my podcast in their apartment while they're having a walk. So thanks a lot. Um, Jean-Marie, thanks for your help. And yeah, that's it. It's me, Anne Alexander, recording from Jean Marie's and Taz Dog's apartment. Um, and today we're going to have an interview where we cover something we haven't covered before. We're going to talk about Facebook groups and how to use Facebook groups in order to build and grow communities and uh, engage with our um, audiences. So this is an aspect we never spoke about before. I hope you're going to enjoy that. Of course, we cover many other valuable things. So I hope you'll enjoy the conversation. Let's hop over to the interview now. Okay, so today I'm talking to Mark Mawini. He has a passion for helping coaches grow successful businesses and he also has a very good and popular podcast called Natural Born Coaches where he interviews hundreds of successful coaches to get them to spill their secrets and he talks with well over a thousand coaches off air every year to keep his pulse on the industry. Uh, I'm part of his very engaged and very active Facebook group where he has like how, how many thousand people you have there? Ooh, we're close to 3,000 now. Okay, wow, amazing. So, um, but let's, let's just, you know, before getting to 3,000, let's talk about how you actually started and um, how did you grow your specific audience? Uh, do you mean for the Facebook group specifically or just a business? No, the business when you were just starting in the yeah. beginning. <clears throat> Well, it was um, it was interesting because my background was in real estate before I got started in coaching, but that was very local based. You know, I'm on the east coast of Canada, and uh, I'm sure some people can pick up on the accent, <laughs> the Canadian <laughs> Canadian accent. So I was on the east coast of Canada, a city with roughly hundred thousand people, not a huge metropolis, and a lot of what I did was all local. So. It was an interesting change to coaching because um, now, you know, going into year four, all my business is elsewhere, you know, around the world. But uh, the way I did it was uh, really, I thank God that social media, <laughs> uh, social media is around now because that's that's really how I did it. Um, and of course, podcasting is, as you know, where you're big on podcasting. I launched my podcast, uh, you know, probably a year after I got started in coaching and that really helped take things to another level as well. So it was just daily consistent action using things like, you know, social media, podcasts, and all that fun stuff. Okay. So, um, can you tell like, you know, if we generalize like and simplify things, can you tell that basically content creation was a thing that helped you actually start growing the audience? Yeah, it was consistent content creation. So, 
the mistake I see a lot of people make, not just coaches in different fields, but I see them, they're not, they're not um, disciplined or consistent enough with that content. So they'll, they'll post something, maybe they'll do a few posts a week and they'll say, oh, that's good enough, you know, and, and then they wonder why nothing's coming in. So when I started, I did a daily podcast for the first couple hundred episodes of my show then I was able to scale it back and focus on other things so now I'm doing daily emails to my list and all that but I was always making sure I was front and center I wanted people to be sick of me <laughs> you know and most people are holding back a little bit and they say no I don't want to annoy people and I don't want them to think that you know I'm too salesy and all this but I just made sure I put good content out there and, and it started to catch fire so I mean, it was tricky the first six months or so. I won't lie. It was uh, definitely beat my head against the wall a lot of times. But then it started to get rolling and, you know, and then it got going. So you got to keep the faith. You got to be consistent and just keep at it. Mm, okay, I see. So what I mean, what I see very often is this problem of actually uh, defining, uh, defining and um, deciding upon a niche. So many people sort of, you know, are afraid to go to niche and, and when they uh, find out that they have to, they can't really decide which one to pick. So your niche is quite specific. You work exclusively with coaches and you create content for coaches your podcast is for them as well so uh how is it was for you to decide and you know which were the what helped you which were the criteria yeah. by which you decided to to do that well when i started coaching i didn't have much of a niche i was pretty broad i said i want to help any entrepreneur you know, and that's pretty broad, but that was my background as an entrepreneur. And I thought, I just, I love entrepreneurs. I love what they do and I, they need help. I want to help them. And uh, that was too broad, you know, to say entrepreneurs. But what I found as I went along in the first year is I had some clients that were more bricks and mortar type traditional businesses. And then I had two clients I was dealing with that were coaches. And when I compare how much fun I had in my sessions between the traditional businesses and coaches, it was night and day. Nothing against, you know, the businesses <laughs> that are <laughs> bricks and mortar, but I was really pumped. I really enjoyed working with the coaches because I got to do a lot with, you know, uh, marketing and creating programs and pricing and all that. And I thought this is kind of silly. I'm really enjoying the work I'm doing with coaches and much more so than, you know, somebody that owns the bricks and mortar the business. I said, it's silly. You, you, I believe in business. You have to do what you enjoy doing. And that's why I said, I'm going to focus solely on coaches. And then I end up launching my podcast, you know, down the road from there for coaches and, and went from that. So I, but the big keys to get started, don't get too, a lot, you're right. A lot of people get really worked up about choosing a niche because it's like they're picking a life partner, you know, yeah. <laughs> husband or wife and they get nervous. I say, just get started, just get out there, get talking to people. You're going to see what you like doing, what you don't like doing. And then you can sort of narrow down that niche, but you probably won't have it sat right out of the gate. It's going to take a little bit of time to figure it out. Did you um, find any difference? Was it easier to grow the audience once you already had this specific niche in place? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, because, uh, yeah, it, it was, um, I was able to kind of laser focus it. Now, that being said, even now, I mean, I have a niche, I guess you could say, where I'm helping coaches, but I'm working with um, all sorts of different coaches. You know, I've got clients who are relationship coaches and health coaches and all that other stuff. So I could 
niche down even further if I wanted to. And I could say, I'm going to help um, a certain type of coach build their business. And that's it. I'm only going to work with whatever coach. But, you know, um, for me, this works, you know, just it was a, you know, case for me where, where it worked out well. Other people can niche down further. It doesn't hurt sometimes to, to drill down even further. But whatever you do, I think you have to be more specific than just um, being just broad and saying, I want to help people discover their passion, you know, or I want to help people improve their lives or something like that. You know, that's just too broad. People don't generally hire coaches being that broad. They look for something a little more specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think because also when when Mm. you are more specific, it builds up bigger trust because it's, you know, you can't be good in everything. And if you're just, you know, specifying what exactly you offer them, you know, it, it, it gives more trust to people. Yes. Okay, so you mentioned consistent content creation. And here um, I have, I see people who struggle a little bit between the balance. Okay. What kind of content and how much content you give out for free? Because their mm-hmm. counter argument is if I give everything out for free, then they won't be hiring me or my business later on for my services. So how do you approach that part? I mean, what's your point of view on mm. that? Well, that's a great question, actually. And uh, you're right. There's, it's a bit of a balancing act because you always want to be giving value out there to the community, out to your people. So you have to give value, but you're right. You can't give away just absolutely everything. So the way that I do it, I, I find that there's a way that you can deliver value without teaching everything that you should be just keeping for clients or people who are invested. So what a lot of what I do, even with my daily emails, it's more infotainment. There's a lesson in there. And I have people say, oh, I got a lot of help from that, Mark. But I'm not doing really hard teaching, I would call it, with, say, my daily emails or with my content. I'm saving that for people who are actually invested as, uh, with me as their coach because they, put, they have skin in the game. So I say that give value, but don't give, <laughs> don't say give value, but don't give everything, which you see some coaches do. And then they have a tough time actually charging for what they do because people are getting all this stuff for free and people don't even value, don't value what they get for free generally. So give them enough that you show that you know what you're talking about. You can help them some, but then hold back some that, for those clients and customers are actually paying you and investing in it. Okay, I see. So um, what about like your main content uh, sort of media? Uh, is it, you, you mentioned emails and you mentioned podcast. Do, do you also blog or, or it's the show notes for the podcast or what else yeah, are you creating? I, I do blog, but honestly, if anyone goes to my blog, they'll see that it's really most of my blog is my daily email being moved over to the blog. And uh, that's, I mean, that's a great strategy. Anyone that's interested in email marketing, I learned that from one of the, the top guys out there. And my first thought was, why would you put your daily email on your blog? Because then people won't subscribe to your email. But I actually get more subscribers that way because more people see it. They tell their friends and then they sign up for the email list just so they don't miss anything. So I do shoot, you know, other videos. I put them up on the blog and I do other things. But, um, you know, where I'm doing daily emails, I make sure that I get as much bang for my buck with those emails as possible. So a lot of times they're going onto the blog every single day. Mm, okay, I see. That's interesting. So, so basically, um, you you also do um, free sessions. 
for your potential clients or how does that part work? I mean, well, no, I do. I mean, I do a discovery call or strategy session, I guess you could say, but it's, it's not actually a coaching session. I'm not a fan of free coaching. So I always advise people not to. You see a lot of these coaches that are saying, hey, call me up. We'll do a, an hour or two hour long free coaching session. And, you know, they're thinking I'll knock their socks off. They'll see what a great coach I am. And then they'll suddenly refer me to all these people and they'll hire me and everyone will be happy. And it rarely works out that way. So my discovery sessions aren't, you know, hour, two, three hour long calls. They're actually 30 minutes tops. A lot of them are done in 20 minutes. And I can still give value there. People get stuff from it, but it's not me giving free coaching. You know, that's for people who pay for it. And uh, th- those people are really going to take it seriously. Uh, so the call is more, if, you, if I was connecting with you, it'd be more, okay, we're going to find out what's Annie's challenges, um, what's her goal, you know, where does she want to take her, her business, in my case, because I'm really a business coach. And, uh, and then I would give some suggestions and then, you know, eventually – the conversation would go to how I can help you. You know, Annie, I'd love to take a few minutes, show you how I help clients. You know, do you mind? I've never had anyone say, no, Mark, you know, you just gave me some good stuff here, but don't tell me what you do. And then we see if it's the right fit. So a lot of coaches have it flipped around the wrong way. They think that it's a client who's interviewing them to decide if they want to hire them. But really the big part of that call is me seeing if, in this case, we're pretending <laughs> pretending you're the potential client. I want to see what Annie's like. Is Annie uh, someone I want to work with? Someone that um, somebody that I think's committed. Somebody that there's you know some chemistry there that it's going to be a good fit. And um, <clears throat> you're very nice, so I wouldn't have any trouble working with you. <laughs> but there's some people that I think within about two minutes, I'm not working with this person. You know, my spidey senses are tingling here. Um, I have a rule uh, where I don't work with uh, a no a-hole rule, I guess you could say. I want to have, <laughs> have fun when I'm working with people. And some people, I could just tell right away that they're going to be a pain in the you-know-where. So that's a big reason why I do those calls is I want to see if it's the right fit for me as well to work with that person. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it's it's um, a very personal yes, and yeah. it's a long-term relationship. So it uh, it definitely has to work out if you like that respect. Yeah, if you left the wrong client into your roster, then suddenly that will affect what you're doing with your other clients, you know, and it's going to hurt your efforts there. So I'm really careful who I let in there because I don't want to work with somebody who uh, drains my energy and distracts me and takes me away from what I'm doing with all my clients. Oh, it's interesting. I didn't really think about it from that angle. Yeah, true, true. Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about definitely whatever we are offering um, to an audience and when we are trying to grow our audience, there are definitely many other people who are doing the same, right? Mm, so yes. it's not, you know, no one is too original and, you know, whatever we're doing, someone else is doing as well. So what is that differentiator? Why people, I mean, how do you find what is something unique about you that will drive people and choose you over the others? Well, one thing I'm really big on is just being yourself. And you probably see this where you're dealing with a lot of coaches and entrepreneurs that are in the online world. They, they pick somebody who's, uh, they see the guru or a leader in the field, and then they try to mimic them or copy oh, yeah. them. Yeah. So you see them trying to talk like Tony Robbins or Marie Forleo or Brendan Burchard. 
And then they're not being themselves, you know. So I know it's a little bit of a catchphrase to be authentic. It's a buzzword right about now. But, you know, the way I talk with my content and everything I do, my videos, my podcasts, my daily emails, everything I put out there, it really is the way that I talk. You know, I, I have I have a weird Canadian dry sense of humor. I have a, a you know, my son, my little guy thinks I'm kind of lame. You know, I tell lame dad jokes, but um, <laughs> I, I'm that way. You know, what you see out there online is that's Mark, you know, and uh, with my lame sense of humor and stuff, I like to have fun and make jokes and stuff like that. So I'm just being myself. I'm not trying to be Tony Robbins, you know, what's Tony Robbins, six foot seven, his hands the size of a basketball, you know, I'm not Tony Robbins. So I don't try to be that way. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up and they make a mistake is they try to be someone else and it, it really doesn't work for them. It's like a, an ill fitting suit. You know, you put a suit on that's not the right fit and it, it looks like crap. That's what it's like online as well. So, you know, be yourself. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm a avid advocate of being yourself as well, because, uh, you know, when you're not, eventually people will feel it. So, um, so yeah, definitely there as well. So, um, let's talk about, um, how you, I mean, content creation actually helped you grow the audience. So now you have your audience, you have people in your email list, you have listeners who are listening to your podcast. Uh, how do you provoke engagement from that audience? Um, <clears throat> I do a lot. I, I mean, I ask questions. I ask for feedback I'll, with the emails or with the Facebook group. I'll often put polls up. I want to know what's on their mind. I'm trying to keep my finger on the pulse there because I want to know what's uh, affecting my marketplace and what's keeping them up at night. So, I mean, I think that's a great way to do it. If you're big on social media, but all you're doing is, let's say you're posting motivational quotes and images from other people, and, and I see this all the time, a coach will post 10 times a day with quotes by Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and everything else, and I mean, that's great. I love motivational quotes, but I want to hear more from the real person, and so a lot of my content that I'm putting out there is um, it's more designed to engage people, you know, and I'm also not afraid to be polarizing, which I think is important. You don't want to be in that mushy middle where you're afraid to offend anybody. So I just put up a post. I usually don't dive into politics and stuff, but I put up a post this morning on Facebook, basically ranting about uh, how if people spent half the energy on their business as they spend talking about the American election, then they would be rolling, you know, with clients and stuff. Because I see people say, oh, I don't have time to put into my business. And then they're complaining about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, you know, 24-7 on Facebook. But I put it out there now. Could that offend some people? Possibly, you know, that are big on politics. But it's, a, it's an opinion which I believe in. And I'm not afraid to put it out there. So I'd rather see somebody be kind of bold and polarizing not be afraid to don't try to make everybody like you because then you're just going to come across bland and boring like share some strong opinions if you if you feel strongly about something mm -hmm. yeah true so um let's talk about your facebook group so it's yet another place where people engage with you and also among each other so how how did you build this group Uh, and where, how do you make sure that people comment join? Because, for example, the way I found that Facebook group was, uh, I think, I someone invited me, and it wasn't you. 
which was okay. very interesting for me because it means that the engagement is so high and people like it so much that they start you know um inviting their friends to come over so basically now you have reached the point where you have this you know audience who is growing your audience in a in a way so uh let's talk about that how did you get uh to that point how did you reach it well well i started the group in october 2015 and the way that started was i got it all set up first before no one else was in there well, I guess you have to invite one person to form a group in Facebook. So I think I threw my brother in there. <laughs> I asked him if I could put him in. And I got it done up with, you know, I had a, a theme that I wanted to go with, the whole coaching jungle, you know. So I got theme day images done up. I had someone on Fiverr do them up. Did a banner up, had it looking all good and nice and pretty. And then uh, what I did was I put out an invite on my personal Facebook. And that's probably how I got my first I don't know, 100 coaches or so just came from that. And then really it took off on its own. So I've done zero paid advertising for that Facebook group. It's been almost 3,000 people in a year just through word of mouth like you mentioned with people. Um, you know, I put a lot of work and energy into that group. But now the cool thing about it is it really also runs on its own because here we are recording this and I'm sure there's uh, conversations going on and stuff being posted and stuff even though I'm not right in there. So I've got three admins in there now. But uh, the biggest key when you have a Facebook group is uh, you want to have clear rules. So you don't want it to be overrun by spammers or people just sell, sell, sell. So I let people know, hey, I'm going to uh, occasionally sell some of my own stuff. But I'm giving enough value that they're cool with that, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm giving mm -hmm. a lot of good free stuff there. So it's a little bit of a di <laughs> dictatorship. I can sell my stuff. I don't want 3,000 people in there on the wall or nothing would get done. And then we have a promotion day on Friday. People can share whatever they're selling in that thread. Uh, so you want to have some very clear rules, but then you also want to – you have to enforce those rules. And if you don't enforce them, things will get out of hand and it becomes a circus. And then you just make sure you're in there every day. So – I mean, um, with me, I'm posting a couple times a day in there. I'm engaged. I'm tagging people into comments. I'm, you know, kind of going uh, that way. But then now the conversations often take they, the group's taken a life of, of its own. So I'll pop in throughout the day at different times, but I'm not in there 24 seven. So uh, I mean, those are a few tips that have worked for me with it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's 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 very effective because. I'm usually uh, getting very annoyed when people add me without asking. Oh, different God, that's my, <laughs> my, it's my number one peppy. I'm glad you mentioned that. I should have mentioned it. Never, ever throw somebody into it. You know what I call it? I say it's the equivalent of if you're driving an unmarked van down the street and you pull up next to someone walking on the sidewalk and you throw them into the van and tie them up. And then you say, you know, it, like, how, how's that person going to feel? You're kidnapping them or abducting them. So I would rather have... Um, a smaller group with people who came in on their own accord than me just dumping people in because I've seen so many people make that mistake. They, they'll dump a thousand people in at once and then they get everybody attacking them and that's just not the right way to do it. It's really tacky. Big no-no. Never add people without their consent. Better way to do it is to send a message. I would, If I was doing it, I'd send a message. Hey, Annie, I just opened up a Facebook group for coaches. I think you'd be a great addition. Here's the link for it. I'll buy, you know, I'd love to have you in there. I know you'd get a lot from it and you could give value to uh, hope to see you in there. Something like that, then you can choose. 
And the other thing I did too, which uh, is a good tip, is I actually bought the domain for my uh, Facebook group. So I own thecoachingjungle.com. If someone goes to thecoachingjungle.com, it forwards to the Facebook group. So that's a lot easier than that kind of ugly link, you oh, know, yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, it, it, or for example, I just was very sneaky and I snuck it into the interview here. So now people know thecoachingjungle.com. <laughs> but if I try to give the ugly link for it, you know, it's just a long, ugly link, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. actually. And and since it's growing so well, um, you definitely, at some point, you would need that domain. So it's nice you've got yeah. it earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, the, the other bigger and worst thing that many people do sometimes, um, they add you to the group. And at some point when the group is growing because they are adding people to that group themselves, then they start bragging about, I'm so excited that the group is growing so fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, what I noticed several times. Yes. So I, I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe there is some kind of guru out there that teaches that tactic. Oh, um, because usually when you see things happening online very often, uh, one after the other in the same period, it's most probably they heard it from someone and they start uh, duplicating yeah. the things so um so let's talk about that let's talk about actually um you know doing things similar to others um and and how much is too much let's say mm. Well, there there are a lot of tacky people online. I mean, let's <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. I mean, there's uh, a lot of people who are just full of it online, and um, oh yeah, we could do we could do a couple podcast interviews just on that. So <laughs> whoever's teaching that strategy to add people without their consent is wrong. And, um, I can't, a group could have 5,000 people added right away and maybe three or 4,000 of them stick around, but then a thousand of them are going to send you a private message threatening to, you know, do something to you, um, because they're not happy about it. And I just don't see how that works. I just, I, I can't see how that could be any good for designing business. So what I find with the quote gurus and stuff like that, that you, you see out there online is they tend to not stick around too long because they may um, pick up some clients, you know, the first time or whatever, but then they can't give the results and people realize pretty quickly that they're fully you know what. And then it has a way of weeding people out. And I see that all the time. I've seen people come and go that, you know, another thing that I'm sure you see this all the time too, they just bl blatantly lie, woohoo, I made $5.5 oh, yeah. yeah, made $5.5 million last year and I'm on pace to make $10 million when in reality they made, you know, $1,800 and they're living in their parents' basement. But, you know, you put it out there, who's going to check it, fact check it? You know, it's the internet, it's a wild west. So I've always think that you, you're better looking at it, the marathon, kind of the long game and just do it the right way. You're going to last a lot longer than these um, gurus and the snake oil salesmen with the big promises. Or yeah, get a seven-figure um, coaching business working two minutes a day in your hot tub or something like that. Just totally nonsense, right? But some people buy into it. Some people pay them, but they're not going to stick around long. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. So, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about... Um, 
creating a brand because uh, your audience and you uh, are personal brands, right? In this mm. respect. So it's you, your name, and and then people get this uh, branded image of what you're doing, how you're doing it, and, you know, they have some kind of image about who you are. So uh, so let's talk, talk about this. I mean, in, in your business, how important is that and how do you create it? Yeah, I went through an interesting, I wouldn't say rebrand, I guess in some ways it would be just this past summer. I uh, got a new website done up and freshened up the logo and everything. So I thought a lot about branding here this year because we were going through that website revamp. And the, the thing I had to choose between is I had the podcast and I had a lot of people, new natural born coaches, but then of course I was in there too. So where does Mark Mawinney fit in with natural born coaches? And what we did was um, we more or less fused the two of them together. So if you look at the logo that's uh, on the everywhere, it's it's Natural Born Coaches and Mark Mawinney. It's not one or the other because I think that the two go together. So you see some people that are very um, all about their personal name and that's what they're pushing. You know, Marie Forleo we mentioned, that's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you see some other people, uh, Ryan Lee right now, he's – I uh, got his Freedom U, uh, which I'm I'm in there. It's a great community. He's now, um, in a lot of ways, really pushing the Freedom name uh, as opposed to his name or whatever. So there's different ways that you can do it. You, there's not one right answer. It really depends on what you're trying to achieve. For me, Natural Born Coaches and Mark Mooney go together. And that's my main domain is naturalbornCoaches.com. If someone went to MarkMawinney.com, first of all, they probably couldn't spell Mark Mawinney because not exactly <laughs> Mike Smith, but it would forward to naturalbornCoaches.com. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's an interesting solution, actually, because I know many people who debate between the two. It's difficult to choose. And here you, you provide the option where you say, well, you know, you don't really have to choose. You can have both, mm. which is good. Yeah, that's right. You can make it work. But be consistent, whatever you do. Don't uh, change it up every two, every week and go with something different. Make sure that you're consistent with it then just beat people over the head with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Okay. So uh, let's talk about – you mentioned briefly in the very beginning that uh, the podcasting actually helped you grow your audience immensely. So, so let's talk about that. How did you decide to, and why did you decide to get into podcasting and what it actually brought to your business and to your brand in general? Yeah. I mean, I was listening to podcasts since probably 2008. I was fairly early in the whole podcasting thing, but I never actually thought of doing a podcast or didn't know how to do a podcast. So in 2014, I was thinking, you know, I got to push us out there more and get in front of more people. And I tried to decide how was I going to do it? You know, was I going to do um, a lot of YouTube videos? Was it going to be blogging, writing a ton of books or what? And um, I don't know. I just, I decided one day I thought, you know what, I've listened to podcasts. I like podcasts. I think they're on the rise. I'm going to go with podcasts. And that's how I operate. I tend to not overthink things. So I'm kind of like um, you know, a typical entrepreneur where he jumps off the cliff and he hopes he can build a plane on the way down. And luckily, I was able to build the plane before I hit the ground and you know, it went into flames. So uh, that's what I did with the podcast. I didn't overthink it. I just chose to do it and then um, had a daily show up and running like a month or two later. Uh, I just It was really quick. 
So when I see people, it drives me nuts when I see people hum and haw. And then when they finally do decide on something, it takes them six months or a year to get, say, a podcast up and going or a blog or something. And you, you can't be that slow. You got to really move quickly. If you're a perfectionist and you're worried that everything's going to be perfect, it's you're going to be. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to get steamrolled in business. So I've always thought, you know what, get something out there that's a seven out of 10 and work on improving it to a, a 10 out of 10. But you're never going to have a 10 out of 10 right out of the gate. Oh, yeah, that's true. I totally agree with you. Uh, because like I launched mine in, in three weeks. But before that, I had no clue how it's done and what it was. <laughs> actually, so I was like learning and recording simultaneously. <laughs> yes. That's so, a way to do it, though. That's you did it the right way. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, because in, in this world, when things are changing so fast, six months and one year is too long. By the time you do that, it may not have so effective. Uh, it might not be so effective anymore. So like in one year, it's a long period when podcasting has been, you know, so how many podcasts have been launched in one year? The competition is like completely different already by the time you get in. So it's it's like it doesn't make sense at all. Um, so um, so what was the difference? I mean, did did you see any like you know uh, immediate impact in terms of growth of audience? And you know, did you get more people to know who you are and what you do? I mean, what was the effect when you started rolling? What happened? Well, one thing I tell people with podcasts is it's not a magic money tree. A lot of people think, oh, I'll start a podcast and then uh, it's gonna be, the money is going to be rolling in. So my podcast got rolling probably quicker than most because I was able to get onto iTunes New and Noteworthy within a few days. And I was doing a daily show, so I crammed a lot into a short period of time. So I, um, I think I had my first client from the podcast within six weeks and people say, oh, that was pretty quick. But they have to remember that that was over 40 episodes, almost 50 episodes of the show because it was seven days a week back then. So a lot of people think, oh, geez, so I've actually heard this like, oh, I've been doing my weekly podcast now for two months and I don't have one single client from it. And I tell them, you have to be patient. You can't expect to put out a few podcast episodes. And you're going to have clients beating a path to your door. And the other important thing, too, when it comes to podcasting, it's, there's two parts of the equation. You can have the best podcast in the world, but if you don't have a business on the back end that's set up properly – it doesn't matter if you're giving the meaning of life or anything profound in your podcast. There's no, there's no way to monetize it. So I think too many people jump out and they think the magic solution is, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and then that's going to mean that I'll get all this business. But they don't know what their business is or they're fuzzy on it. And then the podcast is a lot of wasted energy. So you got to make sure that you've got the back end in there as well. Yeah, yeah, true. I I totally get that. So uh, what about like you're doing interviews as well on the podcast? Yeah, I'm doing interviews, but uh, I have done some solo shows and I'm actually going to probably start doing even more solo shows going forward, you know, 2017. But for the most part, I think as of today, we're up, well, we're close to 500 episodes and there may be under 10 solo shows at this point. So it's usually is interviews. Okay, then yeah. I have this question for you in that case, because I've been doing uh, mostly interviews as well, although I, I also had a few solo episodes, but mainly part, uh, interviews. So um, there is this challenge between keeping the balance, because when you're doing interviews, you may end up having this problem of uh, hiding behind your guest 
and not being able to have enough time talking so you can build your own credibility and trustworthiness as well. So, um, so how do you balance these two? I mean, how do you make sure that it's like, you know, you're not talking over and, you know, you're not talking too much during the interview, but at the same time, it gets that, you know, you also are the expert or, you know, you also are know about the field and stuff like that. Yeah, it's tough in, let's say, a 30-minute interview. That's what my show is. Uh, usually I find I'm talking maybe 33, maybe a third of the time, 33%. I mean, that's not scientific right down to the percent, but roughly it should be a case probably where the person being interviewed is talking more than the host. It sounds strange when a host talks more than the person that's on there as a guest. Uh, The way I get around it is exactly what we're doing right now. I get out on other shows. So I've scaled my podcast back from seven days a week to uh, one day a week, but then it's not like I'm laying on the beach for all those the, the extra time that I saved. I'm taking the extra time and I'm getting out on shows like this where I get to run my mouth and talk more. <laughs> so uh, um, that's the way that I do it. And uh, I find that that works really well because you get out there to people who may not have otherwise known you or whatever. So I, I can fit my opinions in you know, when I'm interviewing without overpowering the guests. But you're right, it is difficult. I mean, one thing you may want to do, I know some people that are quite a few people, they'll do two shows a week. The first show in the week will be the guest. And then the second show in the week will be a solo show where the host will uh, just be there to give further thoughts about that interview and kind of kind of do it that way. That's one idea how you could do it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that done. And yeah, that, that might work as well. Okay, well, uh, I guess we covered pretty much everything. Uh, I just would like, like, in terms of, you know, before we wrap up, uh, to make sure that uh, listeners uh, know where to go if they want to learn more about you and uh, and if they want to join the group as well. And uh, so, so where do what do we do after this? Sure. Where do we go? <laughs> uh, well, naturalborncoaches.com is really the central hub. And while people are there, I've got a free ebook if you're if they're interested in uh, becoming coach or improving their coaching business. It's uh, called the Real ABCs of a Successful Coaching Business. So that's at naturalborncoaches.com, or as we mentioned, thecoachingjungle.com. Thecoachingjungle.com is a Facebook group. Okay. Great. So, yeah, I mean, just hop over, guys, and uh, get the book. I, I have it. It's it's a really nice oh, one good. and valuable one. And I'm also in the group as well. So, you know, it would be nice. And, and the book has made you a million dollars, right, in the, <laughs> the last week? Well, I mean, since we're genuine and transparent here <laughs> and being ourselves, we'll say no. <laughs> 500000 That's but, not but it was valuable. I mean, uh, <laughs> taking into account that I'm just just entering this coaching business. I mean, I haven't been a coach at all. So uh, for me, it, it had loads of value because, you know, I, I, I'm not really into that yet. So obviously, no, because uh, I haven't been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make a million next month. Yeah, I well, guarantee it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I will have to try. Definitely. I mean, Anything without action won't be working. So, um, you know, whatever you read, whatever book you get, make sure you take action afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you very much for coming over. It was really nice talking to you. And um, we'll definitely stay in touch as, as we've been up to now. Thanks, Annie. 
Okay, that was all that I had for you today. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope you learned something useful. And I hope you didn't think that you wasted yet another 45 minutes of your time. Meanwhile, I'm wrapping up the Launch Your Podcast in 7 Days Challenge. We are on day seven. We have covered loads of stuff. We have few people who are very, very close to launching their podcasts already. If you're someone who's thinking about launching a podcast and who would like to become a podcaster and have listeners like you, uh, I definitely recommend you check it out and go through the days that you missed because all the information will be available for you. So check out annialexander.com backward slash challenge and you will get um, everything that we have covered up to now and hopefully it will help you launch your podcast in just a week. Well, that's all I had for you and we'll meet you next week with yet another episode of the Brand Architect podcast. Take care, have a great evening and I'll meet you next week. Mm -hmm.